Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Contemporaneous. The nothing personal word of the day for today is contemporaneous. As in Kyler Murray, you know that name, the quarterback, Cardinals rookie. He wants to play baseball too. He's got a chance. He was drafted ninth by the Oakland A's. He decided to forego baseball, and when he was drafted in the first round by the NFL, he decided to go for immediate guaranteed money, whereas in baseball you're sort of limited in the beginning, but there's a much greater upside. Now Kyler Murray has said that he wants to be Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. My question is, in this day and age, with the difficulty and all the analytics and all the studying that has to happen, can Kyler Murray do both? Can he have a contemporaneous career? Wait to see. Sorry. Everything's okay. I was being buzzed to say that we are now on CBS Sports HQ. That's the communication that I get from inside the producer's booth anytime I either swear or when I'm going live on camera. Thank you if you're listening or if you're watching. Can you imagine what happened yesterday? Another tentacle of an MLB scandal that will not go away. How do you know what's true and what's not true? We got the news live yesterday during the taping of Nothing Personal. Live during taping sounds oxymoronic, but it's not. Live to tape. We got information that there is a report that Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, among others, actually wore devices that during the game gave them what the signs would be, which is a bridge too far after your banging trash cans, or after you're actually relaying signs to runners on base to relay to the hitter at the plate. Would that be too far? MLB knew immediately when the rumors came out that they had to answer to it, except they knew about this. MLB had already investigated the whole buzzer incident. But here's the difference when you're running a league today versus running a league 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, an unverified Twitter account, the supposed niece of a erstwhile manager of the New York Mets, that could have been my word of tomorrow, an unverified account comes up with any sort of rumor or story, and if that gets one ounce of retweet from a player, let's say a player like Cody Bellinger, let's say a player like Alex Wood, let's say a player like Trevor Bauer, All three players weighed in after this allegation surfaced about buzzers. And when they weighed in, it was very complicated because MLB then had two choices and Jose Altuve had one choice. He started, Jose, we're going to start with him. He started with Scott Boris. Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris is made for moments like this. Scott Boris gave Jose Altuve a statement to say, and it was simple direct because that makes people believe it was actually Jose Altuve saying it. 
I'm going to read you two sentences, and you tell me which one is Altuve, and I'm going to leave pronouns out, and which one is Scott Boris. First, never won an, I have never worn an electronic device in my performance as a major leaguer. I made up the pronoun. It may not have been I. It may have been he. I don't want to give it away. I, he, have, has, never worn an electronic device in my, his, performance as a major league player. Statement two. Fans need to keep in mind that there are lots of players who are in the spider web, but they are not the black widow just because they are a member of the team or the league. Can you imagine? Here's what happens. They get together. Altuve calls his agent. The first thing a player does, we teach players, we give them, I digress for two minutes for you. We do two things for our players. We tell them exactly what to do in different situations when they find themselves in a pickle. We always talk about, you joke about it when you're at dinner. Who's your first call if there's a problem? Who is the person who can help you the most? In baseball, we have resident security agents. They are people that if you have a problem with the law, If you get arrested, if you have any sort of safety or security issue, you call the RSA, resident security agent. We give the numbers, they're put, in the old days we gave them the number, but now with cell phones, you make sure every player has in his cell phone the number of the RSA. If you have an issue with something social media related, if you've tweeted something you shouldn't have tweeted, if there's a compromising picture that's gonna be put out on Instagram or Twitter, first call. We tell them, call your agent. If you have an injury, anything that stops you from performing on the field, first call the trainer. So we basically go through and tell players exactly what to do. When Jose Altuve saw what was happening, that he became the number one national trending viral post about the buzzer, he called Scott Boris and they got to work. They got to work on two statements. It was important for Altuve to say the first one, not a very close guess, right? The first statement was, of course, I've never worn an electronic device in my performance as a major league player. There were questions about him not wanting to take his jersey off during a home run trot walk off against Aroldis Chapman. There were questions about whether or not Josh Reddick had a wire underneath his tank top when it turned out to be confetti. The Twitter verse went crazy. Altuve had to deal with it immediately. Boris could take another minute because he had a wordsmith it. And he did a Borisism. And the rest of us got Borist. We actually had to hear from him on an off day, random day, when we normally wouldn't have to hear from him after the winter meetings until sometime in spring training. When he talks about that fans must keep in mind, he's talking about fans. He wants fans of his players because fans of his players, that's how they get appearances. That's how they get money for sponsorships outside of the team. It is critical that players of Scott Boris keep a high Q rating. Keep in mind there are a lot of players in the web. By the spider web, he means within Major League Baseball. But they are not the Black Widow. Scott, here's what you're trying to say. Just because a player is on a team like the Astros doesn't mean that player participated in any sort of scandal. So let me explain why he's wrong. There's not one player, if you offer him what the pitch is going to be when he is at the plate, there's not one player who will tell you, I don't want to know. Not one. 
I've spoken to hundreds of players over the course of my career. We've spoken about stolen signs and how it is that you cannot chase a one-two slider, how it is that you can spit on a, we call it spit on spin. That's sort of the inside what we teach the players. When you see spin, you try to spit on it and sit on the fastball. Spit on spin. Sit on fastball. If you know a fastball is coming, you can gear up. It doesn't matter whether Chapman's throwing a buck four or if it's a Greg Maddox 82. It doesn't matter. A major league hitter has a better chance to hit it. But I've heard so many people from So You Want to Talk to Samson. They're DMing me at David P. Samson. So many people in the studio at CBS Sports HQ. Friends, family. It's, it's a panoply of people saying not only did Altuve cheat, but also look at the splits between home and road in the postseason when he was buzzing or when they were banging the trash can. In baseball, the one thing we never do, ever, is look at a small random sample of statistics and draw any sort of conclusion. Just because a player has a home road split that is out of whack in a 17-game playoff run or in a seven-game series, it is completely meaningless regarding the evaluation of the player and regarding whether that player was aided by sign-stealing, buzzing, or cheating. You have to look at it over the long haul. It takes at least a year of studying. 162 games, 81 at home, 81 on the road, at least a year to see what kind of trends you can find, and then you use the second year to confirm your suspicions or your thoughts. So all of you Dodgers fans out there, all of you Yankees fans out there, keep it down. Keep it down because what you're taught as a little person, you never want to throw stones when you live in a glass house. So the Mets joined the party, and they had no choice. They got rid of Beltran. We covered it yesterday. A lot of questions. People, people understand that we're here about business. It's nothing personal. I got a lot of questions. How much money exactly will the managers get paid? Do they get paid out on their full contract? I want to explain how that works. Carlos Beltran was signed to a three-year deal. He had $3 million of salary. So let's call it a million dollars a year. You can terminate a manager. It's called termination for cause. If you terminate someone for cause, that means you don't have to pay them, which means you get a list in your contract of things you shouldn't do. Don't do anything to disparage the organization. Make sure you show up to 162 games. Make sure you're prepared. And for players, we say in baseball shape. For managers, we say in manager shape. And I don't by that mean rotund. I mean mentally ready to manage. If you do all those things and you go zero in 162, we cannot fire you for cause. Just because you stink does not mean you can be fired for cause. Whether you're a manager or whether you work at CBS Sports HQ or whether you work anywhere, termination for cause is not about the quality of your work. It's about what you do that puts your employer in a bad light. So Carlos Beltran knew that he was in danger of being terminated for cause. My guess is the Mets explained very well to him and his agent that that's a direction we could go, so please don't expect that we're going to pay you your $3 million. They then came to a reported agreement that the Mets would make a $200,000 donation to Carlos Beltran's foundation, his personal foundation. That's called a win-win. 
because the Mets donate $200,000. They take a $100,000 tax write-off because when you give to charity, and I'm encouraging every listener and person watching to give to charity and to be philanthropic, you get to write it off in your taxes. Even corporations get to do that. But the case with Jeff Lunau signed through 2023. A.J. Finch, who had a couple of years left as well. Did they get paid out? Did they not? There have been no reports. If I am running the Houston Astros, I am not giving Jeff Lunau a penny. I am finding a way to have a negotiated settlement with him that my first position is zero because I am threatening him with termination for cause over his role. Now, could he have a case? Could it go through an arbitration because all these management contracts and player contracts, it's not in front of a jury. You're not going to see any sort of open public dispute resolution. Everything gets handled in arbitration. Not like a player arbitration that we've talked about, a separate kind of arbitration. Totally boring story. Five seconds of this show is way too much to spend on it. Suffice to say, there could be a fight, which is why when you are firing Lunau, when you're Jim Crane, you are coming up with a settlement. So the question is, what are all these teams going to do now? And there are lists flowing of managerial candidates. There are networks coming up with lists. I'm going on CBS Sports HQ and saying who I think should be the manager. For the Mets, we talked about Eduardo Perez, who finished second in line to Carlos Beltran. Is it like Miss America, where if the title gets vacated, the runner-up in Miss America becomes Miss America? Does that mean Eduardo Perez becomes the de facto manager of the Mets? No. Every managerial search is different. It's not as though when you finish second, you're automatically next in line for the throne. And this was not exactly a throne that was abdicated. This is not Meghan and Harry. Yes, Coca, I worked in Meghan and Harry into the show before the end of the week. I told you I would. This is an example where the Mets will have to do a complete new search. For me, I want to bring someone in where there's the least disruption possible. That goes for the Rocket Rockets. That goes for the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Mets. With spring training on-field workouts beginning in the middle of February, there is not a lot of time for a new manager to come in who's a first-time manager. That is why I think experience on the bench will matter. To that end, we saw that Buck Showalter actually may have interviewed. I'm not breaking news here. That's not my role. Buck Showalter may have interviewed with Houston. You may be saying to me, why would Buck Showalter be interviewing with Houston? If they wanted Buck Showalter, he was available. Just hire him before you hired A.J. Hinch or for the Red Sox before you hired Alex Cora. It's a totally different world without Jeff Lunau. Buck Showalter could be a perfect manager in Houston because he would take control of the entire organization. That's what Buck Showalter does. Three-time manager, AL manager of the year. He's got, he has over a thousand wins, over a thousand losses. There's nothing he hasn't seen. He's a guy like Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. You call him, he's the cleaner. You call him when you need stuff cleaned up before your wife gets home from work. And that's what the Astros need desperately. They need someone to come in and calm everything down. Showalter may be a good choice. From the Mets standpoint, way more complicated. They need to bring someone in who can come in and work well with the Wilpons, who, who are the owners, who can work well with Brody Van Wagenen because this is Brody Van Wagenen's last chance. 
He put all his eggs in the Carlos Beltran basket and wound up like getting home from the grocery store when the packer put the dozen eggs below the quart of milk. You get home and six of the eggs are already broken. You're not schlepping back to exchange the eggs. You're saying, next time I'll pack it myself. That's what's going on with the Wilpons. They're going to pack it themselves. I'm looking for Brody to be much less involved in this managerial choice than he would have been. The interesting way to see will be on the Red Sox. They bring in somebody, in my opinion, related to the Red Sox. It is important for them. Chaim Bloom is a new GM coming over from Tampa. The Red Sox are extremely interested and worried about their perception. They asked fans to reserve and withhold judgment about their role until the end of the investigation. And there will be an end to the investigation. And when it does end... It will result in the Red Sox being fined, losing draft picks, putting them behind the eight ball. They need to bring in a manager that people in Boston can feel good about, which is why I'm looking for it to be potentially Ron Renicki, their bench coach, or someone else affiliated with the Red Sox, whether it be a Jason Veritek or a Mike Lowell, someone who's been on the bench, been around the block. Previous managerial experience may not be completely necessary. Next week, this weekend, MLB is in continuing its investigation, and teams are trying to find a manager. But that's not all that's happening in the sport of baseball. How could you not talk about Craig Mish? I, I, I swore I'd never say his name, but he actually gave me an opportunity to say something about how it works. We just talked about managers and coming up with lists. We talk about how there's 20 names on a list. Well, if you follow sports, or if you follow movies, or if you follow anything, you know very well, when we talked about the Golden Globes, we talked about the fact that you've got to spend time with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. When you talk about in baseball and in basketball and in football, if you want to be put on a rumor list of a candidate for an open job, think about who makes those lists. Who puts out that information? Members of the media. What would make a member of the media, a blue-checked member of the media, what would make a member of the media put a random name on a list to be a potential manager or general manager? Today, Craig Mish tweeted out that it, my friend Dan Jennings, the Dan Jennings who was the vice president and then GM of the Marlins when I was there, we made him the manager of the Marlins. He's the one who had Ichiro pitch in the final game of the regular season. It was looked at as the craziest move ever. And it didn't work, but I thought it was brilliant at the time. You never go into a move hiring a manager thinking it won't work, but it didn't work. We had to fire Dan as manager. Then he got fired as general manager. It was a complete cluster. But his name just came up from Craig Mish as a good candidate to be the GM of the Astros if the Astros are looking for someone with experience. My message is this. Dan Jennings would be a good candidate to be a GM. Craig Mish is the wrong person to put forward that name. Craig Mish has had scoops and stories about the Marlins all the time when I was there. It's like a local guy named Andy Slater. You may follow him. He's got a show. He would get information. Andy Slater broke the Jose Fernandez story when Jose Fernandez died. They have connections within the clubhouse. I had sources who I would use when I wanted to leak information. Dan Jennings had sources when he wanted to leak information. Every executive in every sport has a source. 
We've talked about John Heyman. His source is Scott Boris. When John Heyman tweets something about a player, you know it's coming from Scott Boris. I have no problem with that. It is SOP, standard operating procedure, to use the media to get information out and to leak things in advance to a member of the media because you know you've got a QPQ coming. SOP for the QPQ. Do you have it, Coca? It's not in the rundown. Do you have any idea what it could be? Standard operating procedure for the quid pro quo. Because when there's an opening for a job, it is understood that they will give you love. You will be on a list. Do you know as a hiring president of a major league baseball team, and right now if you're watching this, I'm grabbing my blazer. If you're listening to this, I'm grabbing sort of the lapels of my blazer to sort of be very hooty tooty. And I didn't mean to do that. I just feel uncomfortable at the moment in my chair. But it seems like I'm saying as president of a team, I know. What I'm saying is when I was lucky enough to be president of a team, I had zero interest in lists that were put out by the media. Our list of candidates for managers, for GMs, for head of marketing, head of sales, finance, any players, anything, we never saw a leak or a list by a member of the media and said, oh, I can't believe we didn't think of him. Do you think the Astros, Jim Crane, or Major League Baseball, who helps in these searches more than you know, do you think that they read a Craig Mish tweet and say, oh, Dan Jennings, he's our guy? No. If Dan Jennings were to be their guy, and that's not a bad choice, if he were to be their guy, he'd already be on the list. But the reason why you see these tweets, you see these posts, you see all of the articles that you're going to see with all these candidates, it is all part of a deal under the covers, behind the curtain deal. You scratch my back, I'll rub your knee. Joe Burrow. Do you guys know who Joe Burrow is? Joe Burrow is uh, the quarterback for LSU. It was tanking for two in the NFL. And uh, it turned out that Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the draft. Why am I even talking about Joe Burrow? Uh, Here's why. Because his dad gave an interview. Here's the rule when you're a kid playing professional sports. Keep your parents quiet. Do yourself a favor. I know they're proud of you. I know that they're this close to getting rich and getting actual money over the table instead of under the table. I know you want to buy him a house. I know they are super proud. They've got such nachis over you because you're a professional athlete. I get it. Nachis. That means pride, Coca. Can you imagine speaking Yiddish to the goy in the producer booth? It's hard to imagine. In any case, I get why parents feel that way. But if I am Joe Burrow, I want my dad quiet. Word came out that the likely first pick in the draft would be very happy to be a Cincinnati Bengal. First of all, Cincinnati Bengals have the first pick of the first round. Second of all, the first pick of the first round makes the most money because as you get drafted in professional sports, the lower you're drafted, the fewer dollars you get to make in salary and bonus. Therefore, To announce to the world that you'd be happy to be the number one pick in the country, 
is not very newsworthy. It doesn't make the Cincinnati Bengals say, wow, now I'm going to draft Joe Burrow. The number of times we drafted players whose agents told us that they wouldn't be happy playing for the Marlins makes me laugh. I didn't care. Every time an agent would call or a family member would call and say, hey, we want to play for the Marlins. Hey, we don't want to play for the Marlins. We had it both ways. More young players wanted to play with us than not. A, it's Miami, so there's no state tax. And tax on bonus is a real thing. B, we always traded away all the good veterans. So if you're a young player, you have a chance to move up the system way faster than if you're on a team with a solid core of veterans who never get traded. So plenty of people wanted to play for the Marlins. But when they'd call and tell us, we didn't care. We didn't believe them. When they'd call and say, we want to drop further, we will not sign with you. It never stopped us. We would have a board where we would keep track of signability, other issues with players, where they fit in our system. It's sort of a draft board, which you number. Teams protect draft boards the way the president protects the nuclear codes. You'd be shocked at the lengths that teams go to misdirect other teams about which players they're interested in. It's amazing. It's as though we're all fighting to save the world. But in any case, so we have a list of players, and we do have signability, but signability is always based on two sports stars. Giancarlo Stanton, when we drafted Giancarlo, he fell in the draft because there was a thought out of high school that he was going to play football. He was, I want to say, a tight end. I can't exactly remember what position. He's big enough to be a linebacker. I think he played tight end. And the thought was that he may turn down baseball in order to play football. We had a lot of players who we were worried would turn down baseball for football. The reason why it was so interesting to me what Kyler Murray did is that if you're not going to be in the top of the football draft, there was no chance that you were turning down baseball because football is just too dangerous and the likelihood of making money in football is too remote. So for Giancarlo Stanton, as he was threatening to play football, we never took it seriously. We got him signed. He came into the system, became a player. It's the same thing as players who threaten from high school that they're going to go to college. Plenty of high school kids who we drafted threatened, hey, we're going to go to college. And we'd say, great, go to college. What are they going to college for? We knew they wanted to start playing professional baseball in the minor leagues. So all of these tactics that players use, and now Joe Burrow with his father saying how excited and happy he's be fine on the Cincinnati Bengals, don't buy into any of it. It's just all noise signifying nothing. All right, we got a review today. Um, so I'm watching the Golden Globes, and the director of 1917 wins Best Director, and then 1917 wins Best Picture, Motion Picture Drama. So I knew I'd have to see it. And Sam Mendes is a great director, directed one of my favorite movies, American Beauty, an amazing movie if you haven't seen it. Sam Mendes wins, I go see 1917, and I was completely underwhelmed. Here's the scattering report on 1917. It's not Saving Private Ryan. You will not care one lick about any of the characters or what their fate will be. You will not care about the story. You will not say the writing is Academy Award worthy. What you will say about 1917 is that your level of visual stimulation is off the charts. 
And I'm talking about when you're actually watching the movie. The way they shot the movie, it is perfectly shot. The way it looks like one take. It's almost like a one-take movie. And the only way that you know that there's any editing is when they fade to black one time. Spoiler alert. How do you fade to black in a one-take, one-shot movie? There are people who watch 1917 who still don't understand it. The only way you can fade to black in a one-shot movie from a perspective of a character is when that character goes unconscious. To me, that was fairly obvious. Got totally overlooked. In any case, if you are a cinephile, you're going to go see 1917. See it on a big screen and love it for what it is. It is a movie that has perfect cinematography, great set design, amazing look. But I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care whether they lived or died. I didn't care about the dialogue. I didn't think that the fighting scenes were all that impressive. But what I did think is that the way it was shot was beautiful. Today I'm giving you two movies, though. Not just one. I'm reviewing a 1991 movie called Father of the Bride. Why am I reviewing Father of the Bride? Who wouldn't review a movie like Father of the Bride on a random Friday in January in the year 2020? I would. You know Nancy Myers from It's Complicated? Yes? No? Check out Father of the Bride. If you're young enough that you were not born in 1991, or if you were too young that you wouldn't have seen it in 1991, I've got two words for you. Brad Paisley. Yes, that's his wife who's the bride. Steve Martin. This was like two facelifts ago. Two facelifts ago. God, if I delivered that line just slightly better, it would have been perfect. Steve Martin is one of my favorites. Brilliant. This movie, Martin Short. Steve Martin and Martin Short are still performing together today. Martin Short plays a wedding planner way before Jennifer Lopez was anything close to doing anything with Matthew McConaughey. Martin Short is perfect. Was it a politically correct wedding planner? I'm not sure that anyone would say yes or no to that. What I will say is, anytime you're the father of the bride and you go into your attic, you put on your blazer and you realize that it still fits... Either you're too young to be the father of the bride, or you've run some marathons, or once in a while, you pass on the cupcakes. Either way, check out Father of the Bride. Thank you. God, I love money. I love talking about money. It's business. We see it every day. We see stories that come up and decisions that are made solely based on money. And we saw another one. I wanted to cover this yesterday, but there's been so much breaking news, but it's still quite relevant. And as a matter of fact, something even more interesting has taken place. Zion Williamson was the first pick in the NBA draft this past season, and he's been out for more than eight weeks. You know that as a loyal listener to Nothing Personal. I appreciate you downloading and subscribing. Please rank five stars on Apple or wherever you download your podcasts. But I think reviewing and rating five stars is Apple. And if in the review you put a question, we're going to do an end-of-month podcast and we're going to answer whatever question you put there. It's not so you want to talk to Samson. That's different. Mikey, I'm butchering this whole promotion. Totally butchering it. Is Apple the only one that does five stars? 
Mikey said no, but he said it in a way that indicated to me he just wants to eat his lunch, like he wasn't actually knowing whether it was no. In any case, make sure you download, subscribe, tell your friends the five stars do matter. So Zion Williamson, my wait to see part of the segment, was out more than eight weeks. He's coming back January 22nd. It was a breaking news announcement. Can you imagine a person who has not played one minute in the NBA? Not even a minute. Hasn't scored a point. I think he's 30,000 points behind LeBron James. Yet, it is the most anticipated debut I can remember. Because the league needs Zion Williamson. So what is ESPN, a network who's showing the game, has an opportunity to show the game? They decide to flex the game. And they are going to show the Pelicans against the Spurs on January 22nd at 8 p.m. And do you know what game they're not showing any longer? How about James Harden, Russell Westbrook against Jokic, Nikolas Jokic, Nikola Jokic. That's Rockets Nuggets. The NBA's been relying on the Rockets, the Nuggets, up-and-coming team, the Rockets with James Harden, the most prolific offensive player maybe in history, certainly this season. They're gone. Why? Because the sponsors are clamoring for it. When Zion Williamson was drafted first, the Pelicans were put on a ton of national games. One of the reason ratings are down is the Pelicans had so many national TV games and Zion didn't play. The NBA is painfully aware that 22 out of the first 35 nationally televised games this year in the NBA, there was at least one superstar missing from the game, either for load management or injury. That is a problem. For a league, you get your money from broadcast deals. You've got to expose your best players to the largest audiences possible. For the NBA to fully acknowledge that they need to get Zion on the air immediately speaks to the fact that they need the Pelicans to be a better team. They need them to compete. It's not going to be this year. I don't believe they have a chance. But it is fascinating that they put a game on of two mediocre teams instead of two great teams all because of Zion. Why would that be? You guessed it. It's just because of the money. There's something that's happening that has nothing to do with money. Um, I want to talk about women. I don't talk about women enough on this show because I want to talk about women in sports. I want to talk about my view of women in sports and what exactly I did over the years. Nah, I don't want to talk about any of that. I have a better idea. Let's talk about what the San Francisco Giants just did, and let me tell you what they didn't do. In breaking great, huge, unbelievable news, the San Francisco Giants baseball team announced that Alyssa Nacken will make MLB history and become the first female major league coach. It went crazy. People were jumping for joy. This is the equality we were talking about. Now we're going to get equal pay. Now we're going to get equal representation. This is awesome. I'd like everyone to just breathe. Take a minute. And let me tell you exactly what happened. The way it works in MLB is you're allowed seven coaches in uniform in the dugout. Any number of coaches can be in your media guide. You can call anybody a Major League Baseball coach. You can call the owner's cousin, the manager's nephew, 
the general manager's best friend's wife's first child from a third marriage. I can put them all in the media guide and call them all MLB coaches. We could have the youngest MLB coach in history. A super kid, Macaulay Culkin, could be a coach. It doesn't mean they're a real MLB coach. What do I mean by real? When we put a coaching staff together, we have a hitting coach, we have an assistant hitting coach, we have a pitching coach, we have a bullpen coach, we have a bench coach, we have a first base coach, a third base coach. That's seven coaches. You then have to think about base running, outfield, specialty coaches. There are tons of other positions that are now being filled. Teams have more and more people they're calling coaches to help the players pregame, postgame, to monitor video during game, wink, wink if you're not watching, to monitor video. What Alyssa is going to be is a non-coach coach. It's a great first step. I am not disparaging the Giants for making this step. What I'm disparaging anybody for is if you think this is the start of gender equality or equal pay in baseball and equal representation, this is only a small first step. The seven coaches, there is a limit, not just to who gets to wear the uniform in-game in the dugout, but also who gets paid more. There is a union. You get a pension and you get licensing. Licensing is there's a pot of money every time you buy a jersey or a hat, every time you buy anything, which is why we as executives always say to you, only buy licensed products. It's why the guys on the street selling uh, non-authentic jerseys or T-shirts with our logo, why we shut them down, and then they move to the next corner, and we shut them down again. Why? Because we're not seeing any of that money. When you are a licensed retailer, you pay MLB to make MLB products to sell to fans like yourself. That's the same in every league. Well, there's a licensing fee, and there's an amount of money that un the union gets, and that money gets dispersed to players. And in some cases, there are licensing dollars that go to coaches. There is pension. You want to be fully vested if you're an MLB coach or an MLB player. It is critical that you have enough service time. We've talked about service time to get into arbitration. This is service time to be fully vested in your pension. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, look at your own employee manual that you have in the company in which you work. Learn the rules of your pension. Understand the games that can be played by your employer. Understand what your rights are understand what your obligations are, and understand what your assets are. From a coach's standpoint, it is critical for them to become fully vested in the pension. And when we hire coaches, we assign which ones will get pension and licensing. Alyssa does not have either. Dollars to donuts, she has neither. Donuts to dollars, she has neither. It doesn't matter. It's not a full MLB coach. When I see a woman in the dugout who's not a trainer, but a woman in a full baseball uniform, that is when I will agree that we have taken the next major step. When I see a woman named GM, not assistant to the GM, not assistant GM or assistant to the GM, those are two different things. When I see that happen, 
that means that women have taken a step forward. Alyssa is very capable. She'll throw BP. She'll work with the players. She is actually going to be a great hire for the Giants. The Giants should promote her as such, that what we have done is move the ball forward. Next team that does it, and the next team that does it, I would like to see them hire Alyssa to be one of the pensioned, licensed seven coaches in the dugout. I want to get to a couple things before we go here today. I want to talk about my picks of the day, and I want to talk about the role that a league has in the outcome of games. We've talked a lot this, this week about the integrity of the game. We've talked a lot about cheating in baseball. We've tried to measure whether or not gambling on your team, taking performance-enhancing drugs, using trash cans or buzzers, whether those are the greatest cheating scandals. We wonder which one would require a lifetime ban the way Pete Rose got. What would a player have to do today to get that same lifetime ban? And it's all in the name of integrity. It's all in the name of protecting the product on the field. Well, I've got some bad news for everyone. Every single commissioner's office of every major sport is very involved in outcomes of games. They'll tell you that they don't care who wins, but they're lying to you. They do care who wins. Let me start with baseball, and I'm going to move to football. In baseball, I would have talks with Bud Selig, the former commissioner, all the time. Do you think when the Marlins beat the Yankees in 2003 that he had any interest in the Marlins beating the Cubs in the National League Championship Series? Do you think that they were rooting for the Cubs to be in the World Series, a Cubs-Yankees or a Cubs-Red Sox World Series? A Cubs-Red Sox World Series in 03. That was when the Cubs and Red Sox had not won in decades. That would have been a financial bonanza for baseball. Baseball was actively rooting for that outcome. I have no doubt in my mind. I looked at Bud Selig when he handed us the trophy in 2003, and he looked despondent. Despondent that we had won a championship in our second year in Florida, our fourth season in baseball. Despondent that he had never won a World Series title and gotten to the World Series once in 1982 but even more despondent that it was a market like Florida who was there getting the trophy when it could have been Yankees or Red Sox or even Cubs. So they don't fix games, but they root. The NFL does the same. But in the NFL, you have an opportunity to actually impact the outcome of a game. There is nothing in baseball that exists. If I tell an umpire before a series and I'm the commissioner of baseball, I can't tell the umpire, hey, listen, I want the Yankees to win. Make sure that the strike zone is different. Make sure that when you, at first base, all ties go to the Yankees. It doesn't work that way. A, there's now replay. B, the consistency of back and forth and strike zones and umpires. I have no reason to believe in my 18 years that baseball ever, they never would tell umpires to do that But believe me, umpires knew exactly what the leagues wanted to have happen. NFL, I've got a bigger problem. What is the one thing an NFL on-field referee can do to impact a game? Call it out. What's the one thing? The studio audience is going crazy. 
pass interference. That's a spot foul that if you throw a chuck and duck down the field 50 yards, one little yellow flag, and you've got first and goal at the one. That is way to highly impact a game. And you can bet that the NFL wants the Packers and they want the Chiefs. They want those two teams in this 100th Super Bowl. You think they want Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans? I just, 100th season, well, I don't know what I said, Coca. I don't actually think that they want anything other than a Chief Packers. Can you imagine the perfect synergy of a rematch of Super Bowl One in the 100th season? Can you imagine the perfection? Therefore, as an insider, I am telling you when you are betting these games, you take the Chiefs and the Packers. The risk is the Chiefs have to win by more than seven. The beauty is the Packers can lose by seven. But I'm taking the Packers. I'm taking the Chiefs. You know that we won with Boston getting nine and a half. Don't be afraid to take Packers and the points. Those are my picks. All right, wait to see. I have so many LeBron fans here in CBS Sports HQ, but none of them is greater than Ruben. I talk about him every fourth show. I have a contract that actually says I've got to mention his name every four shows and Coca's every show. LeBron right now is the number one leader in the most recent tabulation of all-star vote-getters. I'll tell you that he will end 2020. This year, he will be the number one vote-getter in all of basketball, more than Giannis, more than Luka, more than all of them. But guess what, LeBron? This is your last year. Wait to see. Starting next year, there will be a new person at the top of the NBA getting the most votes for All-Star. But you know what, LeBron? You know very well where I'm coming from because it's not business, Leb. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.